This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. One of the leading causes of death among children is drowning. Whether there's nearby access to a lake, pond, swimming pool, or even the ocean, the risks are always there. How can parents keep their kids safe? Major, major issue we need parents to be aware of. Drowning is 100% preventable, but it does take the use of multiple layers of protection to really create a safer environment. Then, companies that promote collaboration not only improve their bottom line, but also boost innovative thinking and fresh ideas. People with very different bases of knowledge or expertise, anything that could give them really different points of view, coming together to solve more complex problems than any of them could do on their own. Those two stories and more are ahead on this week's show. Stay with us. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Drowning is one of the leading causes of death among children under 14. How can parents keep their kids safe? InfoTrack's Roy Mackey has the story. Roy? Thank you, Chris. Adam Katchmarchi, PhD, is the executive director of the National Drowning Prevention Alliance, and he also serves as an assistant professor in the Department of Kinesiology, Health, and Sports Sciences at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Adam, let's begin with how serious the problem is. How many children drown each year in the U.S.? We lose, on average, about 900 kids to drowning each year, and that's below the age of 18 in the United States. What's a startling statistic is that equals about 11 school buses full of children we're losing to fatal drowning every year. And drowning is now the single leading cause of death for children ages 1 to 4, and it remains the second leading cause of injury-related death for children ages 5 to 14. So it's a very significant problem. And we just don't want to focus in on the fatal numbers. The CDC reports that for every one child that dies of drowning, another seven are seen in an emergency department for a non-fatal drowning. And I want you to just think about that. That is an incident that's so severe that most of the times an ambulance was called and a child was transported to an emergency room. And drowning can have long-lasting impacts on the body from traumatic brain injury to lack of oxygen to the brain. So, you know, major, major issue we need parents to be aware of. Where do most of these incidents occur? In the one to four-year-old age range where drowning is the highest risk category, those incidents are most often going to occur in water bodies that are near the home. Under the age of one, it's in the home. Think bathtubs, buckets, toilets. Once our children get mobile around the age of one, that drowning risk goes to the outside of the home. So mainly backyard pools, but we can also think of apartment complex pools, condominium pools, and even natural bodies of water like ponds, streams, canals that may be near the home. And then as the children age, you know, and get into that five to 14 and even teenage into early adult ages, that's more than likely going to happen in natural bodies of water. So let's get to some advice for parents. I understand that you have a list of five layers of protection. We do. And, you know, really focusing in on the age group of most concerned, those one to four-year-olds, the first thing we recommend is restricting access to the water through the use of barriers and alarms. We want four-sided isolation fencing around backyard pools that during non-swim times are restricting access to the water. What many parents don't realize is in that one to four-year-old age range, 70% of those drownings are happening during non-swim times. So 
we think of drowning as a mainly swim time issue, but in reality with our toddlers, most of those are happening during non-swim time. So when the child leaves the home and goes back to the water after you're done swimming for the day. So we want to restrict that access. And we also can put audible alarms on things like doors and windows that lead out to the pool to signify or to alert if a child is entering an area that they're not supposed to be in. Second is the use of supervision. Now, supervision is absolutely important when it comes to drowning prevention, but it can be insufficient. During swim times with weakened non-swimmers, we want parents practicing touch supervision, being able to reach out in the water and touch their child at any time they're in the water. And during non-swim times, you know, we want to make sure those other layers are in place because it is hard to watch your child constantly. Everyone's got to use the restroom, answer the door, respond to a text message. So no one barrier or no one layer, I should say, is sufficient to prevent drowning. Third is water competency. We want kids to learn to swim. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends after consulting with your pediatrician that a child could be ready to start learning basic aquatic skills to keep them safe in the water as early as age one. We have resources on NDPA.org to help parents identify the swim lesson that's right for their child. Fourth is the appropriate use of life jackets. And I focus on appropriate use because we want to make sure that anytime a child is expected to be in or around natural bodies of water, whether they're boating, just hanging out on the dock or pier for the day with their parents, put your child in a U.S. Coast Guard approved life jacket. Anytime a child is around the water, such as a backyard pool, but not expected to be in the water, especially if they're a weaker non-swimmer, a life jacket is also a really good tool. What we don't want parents to do with life jackets, though, is just use them as babysitters, especially when they're swimming in pools. If your child's a weaker non-swimmer, we'd rather have you in the water with them, holding on to them, than in a life jacket. Because oftentimes a life jacket can give them a false sense of security where they don't understand their own buoyancy. And then fifth, drowning is an accident. No one intends to have this type of incident happen with their child, but accidents do happen. So we want to make sure parents know what to do in that situation by getting basic water rescue skills and also knowing how to perform CPR with rescue breaths. Hands-only CPR is not appropriate for caring for a drowning victim. So getting that good CPR class, it's going to teach you how to deliver rescue breaths. And then finally, know how to make that 911 call in these situations. Seconds are really critical and any delay in that 911 call can cost valuable time. So making sure we're just ready for emergencies if they happen. You mentioned life jackets. Do you recommend any other special life-saving equipment at pools, particularly around the home? We do recommend um, that there are devices around the pool that can be either reached out or thrown to a person who is experiencing an emergency in the water. The last thing we want someone to do is go in and try to rescue a drowning victim. That victim is in a life and death fight for survival. And if you get too close to them and don't know how to escape, they could pull you under as well. So it's a great idea to have a reaching pole, a shepherd's crook, a ring buoy, something that floats that you can throw out to a person. The last thing we want you to do, especially in deep water, is go in and try to help that victim. Our guest on InfoTrack is Adam Katchmarchi, Executive Director of the National Drowning Prevention Alliance. In public spaces, in general, are lifeguards at public pools and water parks properly trained and supervised? They are, um, in many cases, the American Red Cross, YMCA, Boy Scouts, Ellison Associates do a great job across the country in training lifeguards. What we really try to get across to parents is, yes, we want you to go One of the best places to take your children to swim during the summer is at a lifeguarded facility. 
However, lifeguards are human and they are fallible. So we encourage parents to not use lifeguards as the only layer of protection. So what that really means is if a parent is with their child in a lifeguard facility, you should also be watching your child be in the water with your child, keeping eyes on them. The lifeguard is there. They are a trained rescuer. They are trained in supervision, but mistakes can happen. And drowning is silent. It happens fast. And most people do not know to expect that. Hollywood has done us no real favors in portraying drowning correctly. Oftentimes it's someone who is flailing their arms and screaming for help. But especially with our young toddlers, drowning is going to be fast and is going to be silent. They are not going to be able to call out for help. They are going to submerge very quickly. So it's really important. Yes, the lifeguard should be there to recognize and respond to the drowning. But we do encourage parents to be that extra layer of supervision protection in those situations. Are there any other misconceptions about drowning that you'd like to take on? Most parents don't really recognize the fact that it is such a high risk to their children. One of the things that we hear all the time at the National Drowning Prevention Alliance from parents who have lost their child to drowning are the words, I didn't know. And whether that's they didn't know that drowning was more likely to happen during non-swim times, where they didn't understand that drowning was the leading cause of death for children ages one to four, they didn't know the proper safety steps to take. So we really just want to raise the awareness of this issue and not to scare parents. Drowning is 100% preventable, but it does take the use of multiple layers of protection to really create a safer environment. So we want to raise that awareness and give parents very simple steps they could take to make them and their family safer. Adam Ketchmarchi, the executive director of the National Drowning Prevention Alliance. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Roy. Really appreciate it. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, collaborative workers boost the bottom line. That story, coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this. 